Hello, welcome to Earth Matters. Earth Matters brings you environment and social justice stories. Today's story, How to Win Against Fossil Fuels, was produced for Radio 3CR, which is in Melbourne, Wurundjeri country, and brought to you nationally by the Community Radio Network. I'm Beck Horridge. Today on Earth Matters, join the audience where you could have heard a pin drop as Sam LaRocca talks on courage, organising and building a movement to win against fossil fuels. And later, we'll talk to Rachel Deans about how to switch your bank from one that does to one that doesn't support coal, oil or gas. And divestment campaigner Isaac Astill. First, let's hear Sam LaRocca, Deputy Director of the Sunrise Project, on building a critical mass to make the change we need. He was speaking at the Beyond Coal and Gas Jamboree in early June 2018. I'd also like to add my respects to the Gubby Gubby Cubby Cubby people and pay particular notice to all the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who've been with us and who are around the country and who have sacrificed so much to protect their country. I've learnt a lot about courage from my mum. Not just when she stood up to my dad because he was violent or packed us up in the middle of the night to move us to Queensland to find a safer home, or when she lied about her age so that she could land a good job to feed me and my brother, but also when she took on a multinational corporation. My mum was a cleaner in a big hotel chain in Brisbane, and she spent her days and nights in a windowless, airless, closet-sized room applying toxic chemicals to cutlery and teapots to make them shine for the guests. Mum was one of the older workers and one of the team who had not recently arrived from the Philippines or Thailand. But just like everybody else, she had limited options and her job and her workplace community was the centre of her life. While she was there, enterprise bargaining was introduced. It was 1991 and I was 20. Mum had got me a job too in the hotel public bar and it felt like a really big deal. People were talking in the lunchroom, in the kitchens, in the laundry, in the hallways. Mum had always been a union member and she made sure me and everybody else was too. But who was going to sit down in the room and negotiate with hotel managers? Who was going to represent us? My mum. Mum always said that we little guys, we've got to stick together if we're going to have any chance of standing up to the big guys. But she never imagined she would be sitting down at a table with people that she and they thought had way more power than her. But when the housekeepers and the wait staff and the pot washers all asked her to do it, she felt she had no choice. As some of the lowest paid workers in the country, we needed someone that we could trust who would never back down when things got tough. She'd get up early and head into work, step out for meetings and be back in the pub debriefing late at night. It wasn't an easy negotiation, but alongside her union comrades, mum did her best to stand up for people she really cared about in a system that was stacked against us. That was when my mum taught me that courage is power. If power is the ability to get things done, then surely courage is the first ingredient. Courage to question things as they are, courage to dream of a better life, courage to believe that you can do something about it, and most importantly, the courage to have a good red-hot go. Fifteen years ago, I know it's hard to believe, uh, I surveyed over almost 200 activists for my honours thesis to understand what factors influence people's participation in grassroots environmental justice movements, just like ours. And please don't get hung up on the graphs that I'm about to show you. Um, But I asked people what motivated them to get involved, 
what barriers held, held them back, what kept them going over time, and what discouraged them along the way. And you know what it all came down to? Making a difference. People said that they got active when they wanted to make a difference, when they believed they could, when someone invited them to. They said they held back when they felt they didn't have the skills and confidence, didn't think they were welcome, or just didn't know how. They kept going when they built community and felt like they were actually having an impact. And they dropped back when they didn't feel they were. Social movements share three core elements, and how we work them defines our success. Injustice, belonging, and agency. And when it comes to climate change, injustice is palpable. You've heard from too many people yesterday and these amazing, powerful women this morning about what struggle looks like for them. Climate change hurts people. And given that we know what's causing it, it's actually really hard to understand how anyone can justify making it worse. Wanting to do something about it is what's bringing all of us together. Just like my mum and her co-workers were in it to improve their working lives. We all want to feel like we belong to a team, to a community of people who care about the things we care about and who are willing to do something about it. Agency is the belief and the experience of our actions making a difference in the world, that we have the power to get things done. And feminists have been helping us understand power for a long time. Some people have even written books about it. And the most common way we think about power is power over, where power is something some people have over other people that just cannot change as if bosses control workers, and that's the end of the story. My mum instead chose to access her power within, to believe in her own agency and to build the power with that is born from collective action. Sure, some people have forms of power by virtue of their position in society, in the economy and politics. And I would have used the example of the Australian Prime Minister having political power, but it's just become a bit too weird. I mean... <laughs> Malcolm Turnbull has the authority to make decisions like stopping Adani and moving Australia beyond coal and gas, but then Tony Abbott and the Monash Forum have this different kind of power to undermine Turnbull's position, which means he won't use his power for fear of losing it, which is just crazy. But that's because power is a contest. We're listening to Sam LaRocca, Deputy Director of the Sunrise Project. You're with Earth Matters. In a democracy, by virtue of our position as voters, we technically have the power to decide who makes decisions and on what terms. I have really appreciated my friend Daniel Hunter introducing me to the idea that politicians are like balloons tied to a rock. We can swat at them left or right, but it's only when we shift the rock that lasting change happens. The rock is our activated social values. It's us, citizens in the world, taking action in line with our values. It's how we vote, what we buy, how much time we spend in our communities, doing what kinds of things to influence our fellow citizens, corporate or political decision makers. Someone from Aotearoa recently told me that Māori say politicians are actually balloons tied to a canoe. Where the canoe goes is up to the people paddling it, and where the people go, so too the balloon. As citizens, our job is to take charge of the canoes to set the compass, our goals, chart our course, our strategy, and to paddle hard in the right direction. The paddling is the action that we take to make our shared values a reality. Of course, there's a range of factors influencing where the canoe goes. When the community doesn't paddle, the canoes can drift with the currents and the balloons are left to flap in the wind. Or worse, they're paddled in entirely the wrong direction by powerful vested interests. In the Adani campaign, we have set our compass. To stop Adani, to move Australia beyond coal. And we have come some way. 
As with many coal and gas fights, we analyse the fundamental foundations to get the projects up. And we have work to shake each and every one of them. Adani needs an Iliua or an Indigenous land use agreement, so we stand by the community when they say no. Adani needs approval to dig mines, so we scrutinise them every step of the way. Adani needs infrastructure to ship the coal out through the Great Barrier Reef, so we challenge their dredging and dumping to build a new pot. Adani needs a social licence to operate, so we expose their abysmal corporate track record. Adani needs finance to get their project up, so we pressure the banks to rule them out. Adani needs public funds to prop them up, so we stop a cheap billion-dollar taxpayer-funded loan. But to be honest, taking them to court and getting bank after bank to say no to wrecking the reef was potentially easier compared to what we need to do now. Because despite all our good work, Adani will not walk away, and coal and gas is still expanding across the country. We need to stop these projects once and for all, and this requires tough political decisions. But politicians don't want to do it. They don't want to make those tough political decisions. Not just because it takes guts to stand up to coal and gas lobbies, but because when a political decision is made to stop Adani and keep Galilee coal in the ground, no more coal mines will be built in Australia. This is the pointy end of our campaign. It requires a group of people to form government who are willing, able and compelled to stop Adani, stop Clive, stop Gina and anyone else who wants to build a new coal mine or a gas field. Not least because it's the right thing to do, but because it's the necessary thing to do. We cannot wait passively, hoping, as some politicians do, that Adani will just fall over. Adani has too much at stake and so do we. There is an election on the horizon and our time starts yesterday. The fact of the matter is election campaigns are won and lost on what we do all year round. The election period itself is really where you get to reap the rewards of just how far we have paddled our canoes or not. It's only the main game if we have done our work. And it's not a mission for the faint-hearted. We are battling a political system that was designed to facilitate dangerous development over community safety on stolen land. We are trying to shift the politics that enables billionaire coal barons, faceless shareholders and dinosaur politicians to get richer while putting all of our lives at risk. When we say we need to shift the politics of coal in Australia, we are not saying let's coax the balloon in the right direction. We are saying let's get in those canoes, make sure that balloon is tied tight and recruit as many people as possible to paddle like hell. People are actually already with us because deep, deep down they're as scared as we are and they really do want to make a difference. But like my mum's co-workers, they're not all ready to step up. They're not all ready to step up and lead. But I know that you are. So our job is to invite people into the canoes with us, to tell powerful stories about the beautiful places we are headed, places where we can breathe clean air, drink fresh water, and live together on an inhabitable planet. Our job is to help people understand that if we paddle together, we can fight the currents and overcome the overwhelming forces pushing us away from our better life. Our job is to co-develop solid plans and support each other to take ever more effective action and coach others so that they can too. Just imagine if every single one of us in this room stepped up into our leadership potential. Imagine if we recruited just 10 people, just 10 people to our canoe. Imagine if we supported 
every one of those people to become a leader of their own canoe. And then we help those leaders recruit 10 more. We would have 30,000 people all paddling in the right direction. And we would only need 30 times more that. <laughs> Does that sound scary? <laughs> I thought it sounded easy. So we only have to 10 times it for three years and we're done. And we would hit that 3.5% or 840,000 people we need to be in with a chance. All these canoes could make up a big, beautiful armada of vessels sailing the high seas, dragging our political leaders beyond coal and gas towards a safer climate. We could recruit big institutional tankers like churches and unions and maybe some NGO catamarans along the way. Some of us might kickstart speedboats to scout the oceans ahead to help chart the best course. Organisers could ride jet skis up and down our fleet, helping us hold formation, hopping on board to help tack the sails or bring fresh paddlers in when we're getting tired. And seaplanes and choppers would fly overhead, looking out for bad weather and ensuring no one gets left behind. We cannot be satisfied with the future of Adani hanging in limbo. We cannot accept the wishful thinking of too many politicians who want to believe the invisible hand of the magic market will make Adani or any other coal and gas project go away. It is time for hard-headed political decision makers to say good governments are serious about climate change and protecting their citizens from its worsening impacts and good governments who are serious about climate change will no longer support the mining, burning and export of coal and gas. We must paddle our politicians to the place where they stand up to the coal and gas lobbies, match the courage of their constituents and set Australia on a safer path. It will take serious planning to actually scale from where we are today. It will take courage to do the things that we have never done before and the tenacity to see it through to the end. Whether you're a community activist, a paid campaigner, a researcher, an analyst, a communicator, an organiser... Like, have you really thought about what it would take for us to build a movement that was powerful enough to win the things that matter to us? Do you have any sense about what it would take for us to make this election or the next election a real referendum on coal and gas? Do you have a plan about what would see 10 times as many people voting for a cleaner future? Do you know what roles you need in your group or how many new leaders you need or by when? Do you know how to measure if we are growing? And by growing, I mean in commitment and impact, not just numbers. This is where science meets art, where we muster up our power within to tell the stories from our heart to help people around us feel the injustice, where we understand what it would take to make a difference and share the strategies that are going to get us there where we systematically build the structures that give everyone the opportunity to exercise their own agency, where we take the time to connect with people so that they know they belong to something that is much, much, much bigger than the sum of its parts. This is the work that we have to do, and it is up to us to lead. I will believe in all of us, because if we don't, they win. So let's get in our canoes find some new friends to join us and paddle like our lives depend on it because they do. Sam LaRocca, Deputy Director of the Sunrise Project.
Next, here is Rachel Deans, Market Forces campaigner. She'll explain to you how you can divest your bank and super from banks that are invested in coal, oil or gas and choose a bank or super fund that doesn't invest in fossil fuels. Hi, my name is Rachel and I work as a shareholder action campaigner at Market Forces. So Market Forces, we put pressure on banks, insurance companies and superannuation companies to stop putting money into fossil fuel projects. So if you have a bank account in Australia, chances are it's with the big four, Commonwealth, Westpac, NAB and ANZ. And all four banks lend quite a substantial amount of money to the fossil fuel industry, so coal, gas and oil. If you're not happy with this, you can go to our website, which is marketforces.org.au, and let your bank know that you don't want them investing in coal or oil or gas. So if you go to our website, which is marketforces.org.au, you will find information on banks, superannuation companies, and insurance companies, and which of those companies are investing in coal, oil, and gas, and what you can do to ask those companies to stop putting your money into fossil fuel projects. On the website, you'll find that there are some banks and superannuation companies that don't invest money in fossil fuel projects. There's actually not that many, but we do have a list on our website. These banks actually really do care what you think, and your money is quite a powerful tool. So letting your bank know that if they keep investing money in these fossil fuel projects, that you're going to leave the bank, that is actually quite a powerful thing. And that can really put pressure on bank to stop funding projects. So on our website, it's quite easy to find your bank and which bank you're with or which superannuation fund you're with. And we have a template email that you can send to your bank or superannuation fund asking them to stop putting money into coal and invest it in things like renewables. So with this information, you'll be able to see what companies your bank is investing in. And I think most people would be surprised to learn that if they're with any of the mainstream superannuation funds, chances are they're invested in a lot of companies like Santos that are trying to frack in Narrabri, like Origin that are trying to frack in the Northern Territory, like Whitehaven that have cut down a forest to build a coal mine. While most people don't agree with these companies, the fact that you put your money into superannuation means you're likely invested in these companies. Do you know anything about what sort of response Market Forces has had over the last few years? It's been in existence. I have lots of people told Market Forces that they have changed their bank account. Yeah, so Market Forces has been running for five years. And during that time, thousands of people have switched banks. There's been massive divestment days, which is when people have come out publicly and said to their bank that they're not willing to put money into that bank anymore because they're funding fossil fuel projects. And it's actually shifted millions of dollars away from banks that are invested in fossil fuel projects. We've also been able to shift companies based on some of the shareholder action work we've done. So, I mean, my specialty is working with shareholders to put pressure on companies. And it's slightly different to divestment. So divestment is when when you don't invest in a company because you're not happy with the company. Whereas I work with people that are actually invested in companies to try and change the way that those companies are operating. I mean, one thing that 
that we've been doing a fair bit of, just so companies are aware we're not planning to stop anytime soon, is that under Australian law, if 100 shareholders sign onto a resolution, it means that the entire company has to vote on that resolution. We've written a whole lot of resolutions asking companies to sign up to the task force for climate-related financial disclosures, which is basically a, a global framework. The task force for climate-related financial disclosures sets guidelines for companies. One thing that a company needs to do under the task force is to produce a scenario analysis, so looking at what the company will look like under a two-degree scenario. And why that's important is that there are a lot of coal and gas projects that if those assets were burnt, actually we wouldn't keep within two degrees of warming. And the fact that our banks are invested in companies that are doing this means that if we want to keep global warming to less than two degrees, that coal can't be burnt. So it's what is called a stranded asset, which means that any money spent on that project will be lost. So it's quite important that our financial institutions do this because it can see that actually it's investing money in projects that won't be viable and won't give shareholder return. And so it's better selling out of these companies now and actually not investing in these companies. You can make such a big difference on a company, even having quite a small shareholding. It means that the company is accountable to you. And I would say, like, don't ever underestimate the power of having a small amount of shares in something or being part of a superannuation company. You really do have the power to shift that. So if anyone listening does have shares in any companies, I know I get a few people that have shares in Rio Tinto or BHP and feel pretty guilty. Maybe they inherited it or, or don't feel comfortable saying it, but actually you have enormous power by holding those shares. And if anyone does have shares in any of the companies in the ASX 200, do contact me on rachel at marketforces.org.au. That's R-A-C-H-E-L at marketforces.org.au because you'll be surprised how much power you actually have and are actually able to shift companies in a way that I never thought was possible before I started doing this work. That was Rachel Deans from Market Forces. If you go to the Earth Matters homepage on the 3cr.org.au website, you'll find Rachel's contact details and all the links you need to make a switch. Next up, Isaac Astill, a divestment campaigner with a new group, Tipping Point. I think more and more in Australia, we're seeing institutions worried about the reputational costs of being associated with the coal industry. I think a large part of that is because there has been a growing movement that's been pushing banks, superannuation funds to, you know, turn their backs on the coal industry. I think that's because those institutions, they're worried about their reputation. They are worried about their bottom line in terms of people, you know, leaving those institutions, divesting, as it were. And also they're just worried that, you know, their staff don't want to have to sit around the barbecue with their mates. And when they're asked, oh, what do you do for work? They say, oh, you know, I work at XYZ institution. And their friends go, oh, you know, that's a bit of a shame. So I think they want their staff to be happy. They want their customers to be happy. And they want their reputation to be intact for the long haul. So there's lots of different ways that people can, uh, yeah, put pressure on those institutions. And uh, that's exactly what's been happening. And that's why we're seeing more and more of them turn their back on the fossil fuel industry. 
What banks have you persuaded so far? And is, are there any financial institutions left that need persuading not to invest in fossil fuels? Oh, well, absolutely. There's a, still a long, 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 long way to go uh, with financial institutions. Uh, I'm sure people at Market Forces, just like Rachel uh, and others, could uh, tell you a lot more about that. But certainly, I think, you know, uh, to use one particular benchmark with the Adani coal mine, all four big banks have uh, ruled out involvement with the Adani coal mine. And, um, and that's, you know, it's very unusual for an institution to say that they won't be involved with a particular project or put in place uh, policy constraints that mean that they won't be involved with a particular project. And I think that that is just further evidence that the reason why those institutions are moving is exactly because they're being pressured to rule out being involved in those particular projects by a grassroots movement around Australia of people pushing those banks to do exactly that. Thanks to our guests today, Sam LaRocca, Rachel Deans and Isaac Astill. I'm Beck Horridge. You've been listening to Earth Matters. This edition was produced for Radio 3CR in Melbourne in Wurundjeri country and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their generous financial support. And if you'd like to get in touch with Earth Matters team, you can email us at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or visit our Facebook page on Earth Matters 3CR Radio or follow us on Twitter at EarthMRadio. If you'd like to listen to or share editions of Earth Matters, you can find this and all the Earth Matters podcasts at 3cr.org.au forward slash earthmatters. That's all for today's show. Thanks so much for sharing this time with us. The Earth Matters team will be back next week with more environmental and social justice stories. Here's Andy Payne with I'm Carbon Neutral Baby from his album I Liked His Old Stuff. Goodbye for now. If we go out on a date, I can't offer you a ride. We can catch the bus unless you want to double. On my bike, I've got a central heating for those longer winter nights. I guess that just means we'll have to hold each other extra tight. That the other boys can But I can promise you when the ocean's rise There'll be no blood on my hands I'm carbon neutral I'm carbon neutral baby I'm carbon neutral I'm carbon neutral baby I'll never buy you flowers Come in plastic packaging but I'll grow you a whole garden that I'll fertilise in my compost heap. Some people try to tell me that I should be more romantic. I ask them what you love if we destroy the whole planet. I can't offer you all the things that the other boys can, but I can promise you when the oceans rise, there'll be no blood on my hands. I'm carbon neutral. I'm carbon neutral, baby. I'm carbon neutral. I'm carbon neutral, baby. I'm carbon neutral. I'm carbon neutral, baby. I'm carbon neutral. I'm carbon neutral, baby.